Welcome to Meet the Church. This is a podcast from Providence Church in Austin, featuring a new person each week from our congregation. We're excited to discuss the work, interests, and testimonies of our church members to better get to know each other and to talk about experiences with God. I'm Ashlyn Vandevanter, and this week I get to talk with Spring Castillo about creating a space where everybody knows your name, her adventurous spirit, and the legacy of prayer and faith she wants for many generations to come. Thanks so much for uh, agreeing to chat with me tonight. I'm excited to get to know you. I'd love to know um, and to connect you and I. So we both go to Providence, obviously. Um, Can you tell me just how you got plugged in? Yeah, I can. So my husband went to a um, orange, I think it's called an orange or Longhorn luncheon. And he was having lunch at at a pre-UT football game. And uh, there was a man there named Todd Stuman. And he and my husband got to speaking about um, this this new church that Mr. Stuman was was planting essentially in um, in the center of town, and they got to visiting. And uh, as it as it turned out, the church was going to be about two blocks away from our house. And my husband and I, Orlando, had been looking for a church, and so it was just it was providential that uh, we would have that that my husband would have that fateful meeting with Todd. We're just so, so thankful that I feel like the Lord kind of set that in motion. Let's backtrack. Where are you from? Uh, Texas. I was um, born and raised here with a few uh, chapters outside of Texas. So we, when I was nine years old, my mother moved all of the youngest kids. I'll back up by saying that I'm the youngest of eight children. So my mother moved all of the the last four because the eldest four had got, kind of gone off to college by then. She decided to move us to central Mexico to a wonderful colonial town called San Miguel de Allende, which um, many people have heard and of, and many people have probably visited it. But that was, um, you know, a brief period outside of the country that, to me, was super formative. I mean, I was there off and on from '87, so I was. I'll, I'll do the math for everybody. I was nine years old until about 12 or 13. So we did have, you know, a year there, six months back, then, you know, a year and a half there, three months back here in the state. So it was a little in and out, but, but it was super formative, as I mentioned, because um, it was just, again, it was such an adventure and mm-hmm. it was a neat way to see another way of life from what I had, you know, been raised seeing from in my own household and in families' households. And um, I I think it helped me to develop a deep uh, appreciation for um, uh, the Mexican culture. And I'm married to a Mexican man, probably as a result of my time living there as a a teen or preteen. So we lived in Mexico. And then I spent a little bit of time um, in Seattle and in Portland because we have family up there, but pretty much uh, Texas. And so if I didn't say this, Dallas is where I 
spent the majority of my early years. And then I came to Austin for my junior, senior year of high school. So I've been here for so long that Mm -hmm. I would consider Austin to be, you know, I mean, it's hard to say. I don't feel like it's honest to say I'm from Austin, but golly, when you've been here since high school and you're as old as I am, it feels like, well, where are you from? So it's a hard, it's a hard answer to give or hard response to kind of come up with concisely, but a little, we're, we're from all over. We're from all over, but definitely Texan. What brought y'all to Mexico? You said you moved there when you were nine and then you moved back and then you moved there again. So I'm curious what brought you there. Okay. So my, as I mentioned, my mother had lots of kids and she had um, been uh, widowed right before I was born. So about two months Mm -hmm. before I was born, you know, I'm the last of the line. Um, And so she did brilliant work to keep us all together and, um, as you can imagine, uh, because we weren't a wealthy family and there was no, uh, you know, big life insurance policy or anything like that, she had to kind of make it on her wits with, you know, s- 7.6 kids, um, at that moment. And so she became a, like a, a building contractor for uh, residences. And then she did, um, a fair amount of like catering and that sort of thing. So she, kind of, um, oh, what is the word? Just uh, kind of by hook or by crook, but no no crook really, but just in very (laughs) industrious ways kind of kept our family together. And she thought, where can I move these kids into an affordable scenario that would give them adventure and again, be able to see the world and um, kind of different, uh, just, you know, way of living and open their, their their world up. And it's so crazy because I don't think that she had seen more than maybe like some travel book photos. I, I know. I mean, this was in 87. There was no Google. There was no like instant yeah. access to, to TripAdvisor to see what people thought was the most beautiful part of the town. She l- literally had seen photos and been told about this town called San Miguel de Allende. And, you know, me being nine years old, hearing that we were moving to Mexico, in my imagination, I had such um my my uh the picture that i painted in my head of what mexico was going to look like was very much out of like um road runner like wily e. coyote uh tumbleweeds and arid uh landscape and of course it you know in central mexico it was nothing like that it was absolutely gorgeous and so we got there and it it was just a really wonderful time of peace uh in our lives because it is such a beautiful town and um and it allowed my mom to kind of probably kind of heal herself and also um i think probably having that much responsibility for eight humans for so long um mm-hmm. you know she probably needed a little bit of a, a vacation so she just moved to a vacation land is what i think she did you talk really fondly about it though do you have like i guess you were there for what four years uh, ish. ish. Yeah. About that. Um, maybe, maybe like three, three and a half, but, um, because it was spread over a long period of time, but yeah, it was, I mean, I, I think my siblings probably would have a different perspective. As a matter of fact, I know they do, but for me, um, because I think one of, one of my like just internal philosophies or approaches to life is, is, uh, Hey, let, let's make the most of this. You know, I, 
it it was definitely hard to be like I don't want to say ripped up from our American or U.S. roots, but it was definitely a hard, hard transition. I think my older siblings had a hard time with that. Um, mm-hmm. And there were, so it was three boys and me were the last in the line. And th- those are the ones that ended up moving with us. But, um, but, you know, because I was so young, I was much more malleable and mm-hmm. also being the girl and probably having a little bit tighter relationship with my mother than the boys who, you know, loved mom and had a great relationship with her too. But I think it was maybe just a little bit different between me and her. Um, I just, I looked at it as, like I said, just a great opportunity. And so I definitely have, um, you know, very fond memories of that time. And I'm so, I'm so thankful that we got to have that because like I said, I'm able to look at the world, um, just with, just with that experience. And I, I would love uh, to be able to give my own children that kind of experience, not to say I want to move them to Mexico, but, um, just something where, and I think this is what is so wonderful about like church mission trips is because it takes people out of, you know, what is their comfort zone and puts them in, uh, another way of living and, and seeing how, how it is that other people have to live or, uh, are, you know, just another way of life. And, um, you know, the world is so, so big and we get bogged down in just how myopic our own like purview is. Mm-hmm. And I think it is so healthy to, um, to really like, just like even physically fly over the Amazon one day and you'll realize, oh my goodness, I, I come from a small, small land, you know? That's encouraging. So I'd love to hear, um, about your faith. I mean, you clearly are adventurous. I love that you said that you're just going to like make the best out of it. Right. So like you're nine years old moving to Mexico. Um, but what, you know, when did faith become important to you? Well, so our, I am so, so blessed because I come by my faith through my family. I didn't have to come to it, uh, in any other way other than when I was born, my mother was a believer. My grandmother who was extremely instrumental in my life was a believer. My father before he died was a believer, you know, so mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was very natural for me to, well, I grew up hearing the stories and, you know, one of the jokes that my family always makes about my grandmother is that she would take the most average of stories or scenarios and somehow in the most abstract way related back to Christ. So, um, you know, just if we were talking about the electricity coming on or something, she would somehow figure out a way to take that back to Christ. And um, so we just love that. And, and I think that as a parent is such an amazing thing to be able to kind of uh, relay to your children is, well, everything actually does relate back to Christ. So your question of how kind of, how did I come to faith? I was raised in it. So I'm so blessed in that way. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I definitely had a a period where I I walked, I stepped away. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't, I think it was my own rebellion and sort of sense of um, looking at the world in a very worldly view. Um, Having so many siblings, not all of them are believers. And so I think I observed some of my siblings and I thought, well, you know, that looks like a good way to live. I'm Mm going to, I'm going to do that. I have the right to live that way. And, you know, I mean, I love my siblings, but you can't, you can't follow their, everybody's, you know, you can't follow anyone's path. You have to follow, um, Christ and that's it. You can't take your, um, 
you can't let anybody else guide you. So I definitely had a period where I was not living as a believer, but it was such an interesting moment where the, one of the most unlikely of scenarios like brought me back just in like such a like ear clanging way that, uh, well, kind of two, two things actually, but one was someone was like, uh, that I did not expect to say something like this said, Whoa, I, I think I was, Oh, you know, waxing poetic about some philosophy or theory. And it was, had nothing to do with, you know, what the Bible says. And I guess this man was a Christian and I did not know he was a Christian. And he said, Whoa, Whoa, sounds like you're picking and choosing because I'm, I'm sure whatever I was saying had something to do with the fact that I called myself a Christian at that moment, but certainly Mm -hmm. was not living that way. And he said, Whoa, 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 you can't, pick and choose. I mean, you either you take every word in the Bible as um, gospel or mm-hmm. what, what is the worth? And man, that just, ah, I felt so um, just convicted. I just, I felt so sh- like ashamed of my words and my actions because I felt really just busted. I felt busted. Mm-hmm. Um, like here I was living my own life and living according to my own rules but the fact of the matter is, and this is what's so amazing about how God works with you, is when he calls you, you he puts in you what is right and what is wrong. And you can live like you, don't, you didn't listen or you, you weren't really paying attention. But when you are called a task, he doesn't even have to re-explain anything to you. You know how you have uh, uh, broken the rules. You, know, you don't even need clarification because he was so clear from the beginning. And then a little while later, I had a kind of a strange, um, kind of a, a strange experience where I was at church, having attended, having not attended church for some time. And this was when I was in college. And a woman walked up to me, and I don't know what you believe about prophecy or whatever, but I believe that she had prophecy for me, which was, she said. Uh, that she had been sitting behind me during church. And, you know, I'm visiting this church with some friends and I have no ties to any of these people. And she said that she was sitting behind me in church and that God had a message for me through her. And this is the first time I had ever experienced anything like that. And she said um, that even though I grew up without a father, so something, I'm going to paraphrase, something along the lines of, knowing that I grew up without a father, that she wanted to let me know that God was watching out for me the whole time. And as you can imagine, I mean, mm-hmm. I felt like, I think the phrase is, my mail had been read. I, I just absolutely broke down right? and, you know, in front of all these essentially strangers. I had, again, I was just visiting this church. I didn't know anybody mm-hmm. there. And it was just such an amazing moment because I felt like, oh my goodness, wow. Holy moly! I'm. I really am. I am worthy. I'm worthwhile. I am, you know, being looked after, and I'm not just on my own. And so that was all um, very overwhelming and wonderful. And uh, so I, I loved that. That was a great experience. And what what sweet truth too that she would you know encourage you that God had been with you and looking after you the whole time, even when, you know, 
your uh, father passed away before you were born. Yeah, it was certainly impactful. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Um, gosh, I have so many questions. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay, so when you spoke about your mom and your dad and your grandmother being really, really formative in your faith and, and raising you in the Christian faith. I'm so intrigued by your grandmother and the fact that she just connected because I mean, I'm sure we both have the same desire to do that for our own children. Right. And this like supernatural, but also very ordinary way. Is there anything you remember her saying, like specifically relating that just you think of first when you think of your grandmother? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, there is, it's not a, it's not a poignant answer, but you know, it's funny. She oftentimes, like I said, everything related back to Christ. So I could point mm-hmm. to many very um, mundane answers, but one thing that that really does stick with me is she, as a child, was trying to explain to me just some simple ways to think about God and then also the antithesis, Satan. So she was Mm -hmm. saying, um, you know, things that start with G, like good and graceful and, you know, glorify. And, um, And then, of course, things that start with S, like for Satan would be, you know, sin and selfishness. And I can't even remember, Mm. I don't want to go on and on, but, um, I just thought, I think of that so often. And of course you can find words that start with S that are related to God and G that relate to Satan. But, um, you know, that was just, uh, you, you never know what you're saying to a child that's going to be stick with them. And I don't know that Mm. what she told me in that, uh, uh, scenario was particularly poignant, but that is a lesson that I, I remember her telling me. And um, I mean, I think, I, like I said, I think about it to this day. Now, okay, we've talked about your mom and um, your grandmother and your dad, but you've mentioned your kids over and over. And I just have to know all the things. And you mentioned your husband, Orlando. So introduce me to your family. Well, um, not to bring up San Miguel again, but when I first met Orlando, we, we had a conversation about San Miguel because as it turns out, when I lived there, he was a visiting college student. I never ran into him, but I will tell you something really, really cool, which is I'm working at a place on six in Lamar. What that's a furniture, uh, not a restaurant, but a furniture store. And, um, in walks Orlando Castillo. Well, we started chatting because, you know, it was a furniture store and he, said that he was looking for something on a partic- for a particular wall in his home and he I showed him a mirror that we had and then he said, "Well, I'll think about this. It's either between this or a photograph that I'm thinking about." And I said, "Oh, tell me about the photograph." And he said, "Well, it's at a gallery just down the street. It's a uh, it's a photograph of some doors in San Miguel de Allende." And I said, "Huh. Really?" And so then the conversation just kind of started from there. And the the crazy thing is um, he was single, I guess, kind of newly single from a very long relationship. And he, you know, here I was, a 26-year-old girl. And he said, well, you know what? We should go together. Let's just go. And I don't think I even had his name yet. 
And I joked that there was a button. Of course, there was no button, but I joked that there was a security alarm button under the desk. And I was like pressing (laughs) security, security. This guy's crazy. But we ended up just visiting. And I think he did get my phone number. And a few years later, we got married. (laughs) But that's my, my fun story about it. Yes. Loving the security button. Hilarious. Oh, and then you asked about my kiddos. So I have Gus, who is right now nine, and Gemma, who is five. And they are just very, very sweet. And I, you know, we had the one and it was hard. Every first child, I think, is very, very hard. I think really every child is hard. But um, after we had the one, I just felt very done that, that I would be very happy with just the one. But something happened at about year three and a half, which is I look up and I see this kid who's pretty self-sufficient. I mean, he can do a lot of things on his own, which meant that I got my my own brain back and I was able to have complete thoughts and, you know, be able to uh, speak in complete sentences. And then I thought, I think I can do this again. Let's let's try for another. And so we um, were so blessed to have Gemma and you know, she's a funny character because she's so, while Gus, I identify with, he's so much like me in so many ways. I think the way he thinks mm-hmm. and the way he reasons, but Gemma is a wild card and I do not identify with how she thinks in many ways. Of course, of, of course I do, but in some ways I, I think, who are you? Where did you come from? Um, she is so wild and uh, just fearless and brave and and sweet and so a lot of those things of course I like to say I identify with but um there's a braveness in her that I definitely did not have and I don't know if that's gonna be painful in the future but right now it's certainly fun to watch and then our son is just so sweet and incredibly observant um to Mm. I think to the nuance of scenarios and um, I think, you know, that will serve him well. And um, it's, it's just a, it's a delight to be uh, a parent to them. Okay. So let's shift gears a little bit. And I want to hear about um, what you, I mean, obviously you are a super mom um, with your two kiddos, but what do you do other than mom? Okay. Okay. Well, I work outside of the house and uh, for the last 12 years, I have uh, owned a small clothing store here in Austin and it's a lot of fun. Uh, we sell just basically everything ladies need from clothes to shoes to jewelry to all the accessories. And um, I've been thinking about one of the things that I constantly think about is, is it's kind of my sport. It's my hobby. It's my job. And so what ends up happening when, when your job is your sport and your hobby and your like place of enjoyment, it's, um, is that you compete with yourself and you, you constantly trying to take it to the, um, we, we laugh about the phrase, the next level, you're trying to grow it because I guess just from a business standpoint, if, if the business is not growing a little bit over year over year, um, that is not good. So you always want to see, you know, your plant flourishing and putting out fruit and all that. So we're, we're always trying to figure out what is the way that 
we can make the business better and essentially uh, produce produce better with less friction. Um, but what I've found, not having any formal training as a business person, you know, I studied retail merchandising when I went to UT, but after three and a half years, I dropped out. I never graduated. I don't have a degree to show anybody, but um, I, so I have no formal training in any of this. The business was essentially handed to me by a wonderful old boss that I used to work for. He and his uh, wife decided to move to Greenwich, Connecticut to go work for a very large shoe corporation. And at the time, it was the business that he gave me was in a different location. And it it was just selling footwear. So when he gave me the business, he basically gave me an email list of about 3,000 active customers that had been shopping with him in his iteration of the store. And he gave me a lot of, you know, like just a fundamental, like a computer, a desk, a stool to sit on behind the desk, chairs to sit on while you're trying on shoes, in addition to probably three or 400 pairs of shoes, which is literally what we sold the first month that we were open. We started the business in 2008, and there was a massive American financial um, downturn. Mm-hmm. It was the subprime mortgage time frame. And so no banks were willing to give anything. I mean, we couldn't even squeeze $500 out of a bank uh, mm-hmm. for a business loan, but we did have collateral for a um, just a collateralized loan. And so we took our car in and they, they said, okay, we will give you this much money to you to, you know, as a loan for your car. Um, and so we started the business with that. So we, we figured out how to scrape and um, scrap for everything. I, I use the phrase, we, we learned how to boil the bone. So if you think about making soup with a full chicken, you figure out every part of that chicken that you can use. And so we would have, for example, a sidewalk sale. And uh, I'd go buy a table at Lowe's or Home Depot to have the table, the shoes on in front of the store as a sidewalk sale. And when the sale was over, I would have to return that table to Lowe's because I needed that money and we'd have to, you know, um, you know, we couldn't keep the table. So maybe, maybe not a great thing to be proud of. We don't do that. We don't practice that way anymore. But, you know, just having to figure out how to make it work. And Mm -hmm. so, um, that was quite a challenge, but I do, I will say that that learning how to operate on a shoestring budget had mm-hmm. really helped us through 2020. So basically from March, 2020 to March, 2021 during COVID, I mean, all, everything ground to a halt for our business. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think had I not had the experience of starting with nothing, um, mm-hmm we probably would have had to close up shop because, uh, you know, there was just no money coming in and a fair amount going out for many, many months. And then, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, certainly cannot uh, neglect to mention or to give praise to God because, uh, you know, we made it through. And there, as I mentioned earlier, Oftentimes it's very, uh, like you think about grinding gears to make something move forward. There was a lot of friction, but the gears kept moving. And I, I give Mm -hmm. that glory to God because, uh, it was, um, there were some very bleak, bleak times. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I do feel like we have made it through and we see the light at the end of the tunnel for sure. I'd say in the last month, our business has 
just leaped and bounded back into kind of the normal rhythm. So, so thankful for that. What is your favorite part of running the business? Well, you know, they say women like to shop. Um, (laughs) Going to market is pretty fun. I'm not going to downplay that. So going to market two or three times a year and Sometimes going to New York for market or going to Las Vegas is a lot of fun because you walk into these massive uh, convention centers that are just loaded with uh, all these little booths that you have to walk through this sort of maze of hallways to look into each booth and write orders if you like the line. Um, that's a lot of fun. But but truly on a day-to-day basis, um, just putting my customers in things that they really, really like and feel comfortable in, and um, mm-hmm. they're excited to get dressed for the next day, work, party, what, whatever the event is that they're buying clothes mm-hmm. for. And sometimes that's just the next Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, sending someone home with something that they are truly excited to wear that makes them feel good about their bodies. You know, women sometimes uh, get very frustrated with their bodies, and to be able to give them something that they're pleased with is, um, I mean, I, I take a lot of pride in that and it's Mm -hmm. very, very fulfilling to be able to do that. Yeah. I love that you, you know, enjoy it so much. It's even though you don't have a business background, but like, it sounds like you, what you love about it besides the market is the people like being able to engage. And I can already like, I can already sense that you're amazing at that. I'm sure, man, I bet those women feel like a million bucks when they walk into your store. <laughs> I love it. Well, we certainly um, we certainly aim to please. And, and one last little plug for the shop is we're definitely going against the grain of what is common. You know, we're extremely old school and very mm-hmm. customer service oriented. And like, I, I kind of think about, if you think about those old black and white movie reels of going into a store and having models walk up and down a runway to show you what, you know, you should buy for yourself. We Mm -hmm. really try to accommodate the customer. Of course, I don't have models walking around, but I try (laughs) to have them come in, sit down and we bring them outfits to look at. And I don't know any other store that is offering that. And I want to stay that. I want to stay kind of that Mm -hmm. small neighborhood boutique um, Mm -hmm. because man, it's working. And we have you know, so many of our customers we know by name, you know, I I don't know if you know that old TV show called Cheers, but there was a funny old mm-hmm. show and the theme song is, I think about a lot because it's something about, you, you know, you want to go where everybody knows your name. And I think we kind of, we are capitalizing on that because as I say, we're a neighborhood store. Many of the ladies that walk in, we've known for years. I know their parents. I know their children. I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So, you know, that's the same thing with, with, with the Christian family and with uh, our communities. We want to be known. And while uh, I, I'm not necessarily, um, I'm not necessarily discipling my customers, but we are creating a relationship and they are feeling known. And I think there is mm-hmm. just true worth to that. Um, and I think a lot of stores are not offering that. So that is, um, uh, you know, put another, tick another one up on the board for, you know, the benefit of uh, knowing how to engage fully with people um, as a Mm -hmm. Christian is, 
you know, you do that to Christians and not non-Christians sometimes is you just, uh, you go a little deeper with them, you know? And so that is very, as I said, fulfilling. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I know this is our first time meeting and I have not been to your store, but I'm coming. Yay. I don't know. I don't know what you're going to pick out for me, but <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to have you. Oh, that's great. Well, Spring, it's been such a joy just to talk to you. And man, you just exhibit such joy. And I i mean, I can't stop smiling now that we've chatted. So I appreciate that. And thanks for sharing um, just about your family and your business and your um, kiddos and all the things. Um, thanks for taking time to talk to me. Thank you, Ashlyn. Next week, we'll be hearing from Jamie Bennett as he interviews Clint Harp. Thanks for listening.